Welcome to the Rationalist Podcast. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm with the irreplaceable Eddie Matthews. Aw, thanks for that. <laughs> How's it going, man? Yeah, good. It's been a while. Oh, man, it is good to uh, get back on the horse, as it were. So, a couple life updates. Um, I've... You know, still continuing the PhD program at the beloved Swansea University in the south of Wales. But um going to be, well, I'm in transition right now on the Central Coast of California, where my parents are from, and where I'm from, in fact. <laughs> and uh, nice. in a couple of weeks, and then the plan is to move down to Tijuana in July with a little break in San Diego, because I'll be kind of finishing out the PhD research in the part of the world that I'm writing about, uh, the San Diego and Tijuana borderlands, as it were. So basically, uh, our last episode was recorded while I was in Swansea, you were in Seattle, and um, I was getting ready to move, did a little 10-day trip to Paris and London, which was lovely, with my mom and my sister. And uh, and then, yeah, just been on some flights, presented at a conference in San Diego, came up here. So yeah, just been traveling a bunch, and then what have you been up to? Uh, nothing near as exciting as Global Traveler over here. I've essentially just been uh, in class, hunkered down, trying to to get some work done. Our program goes through the middle of June, so we have a couple projects to get done. Uh, so yeah, much less exciting, but uh, lots of, of busy, busy work, essentially. And do you want to give us, uh, for those listeners who might not know, Morgan is a huge Liverpool uh, soccer fan or Liverpool football club, as they would say in the UK. Do you want to give us a Champions League update? I this is a this is a wonderful surprise because I could have it. We could do an entire podcast on that last game. Uh, so basically, Liverpool has the most points any second place side will have ever had, unless we win tomorrow. So as of as of now when we're recording this, the final game of the season hasn't happened. But in the Champions League, we were down three goals to zero going into the second leg and uh, basically smashed Barcelona 4-0 to send us to the Champions League final. That's insane. For the second time in two Against years. Barcelona. So I'm pretty pretty ecstatic about wow. it. Yeah. Left, shut out Messi, Messi, scored four goals without two of our best three players. Pretty Pretty incredible. Yeah, that's unreal. Congrats. Well, thank you. Hopefully we'll be able to win. Uh, we're playing Spurs, and a lot of Spurs fans are out here, including Matt and, uh, and a few others, so we have to to make sure they don't get And do way. you want to uh, fill in the listeners to, uh, where you were at the Champions League final last year? Well, I was in Kiev because I'm a true fan. You flew. <laughs> and I used to have a job. You flew from <laughs> South, were you from Johannesburg, or where did you fly out of? Yeah, from I did fly out of Johannesburg. Yeah, through I think Dubai. I had a layover in Dubai, and then up to Kiev. Wow. We lost, but it was a it was a great experience. Hopefully, they'll bring home the the title this year. Yeah, wow. Well done. Liverpool are one of only four teams to have ever won five Champions League titles, the most in in England. Okay. Hopefully, this will be the sixth. Wow. So that's a that's our life update. Um... And we'll kind of be back, you know, putting out episodes probably uh, more regularly now, certainly. So thanks for uh, bearing through that with us.
are we talking about today, Morgan? Media bias is, uh, is the name of the game today. We are going to be looking at news in the digital era and kind of perceptions of the news and how bias plays a role in politics. Does that seem about right? Yeah, I think that sounds great. So the impetus for doing this episode uh, that I pitched to Morgan was uh, my brother Sandy. Shout out to Sandy. Shout out, Sandy. Um, asked a really good question to me and a really just straightforward, honest question where he's like, what do you recommend uh, is a place that's as unbiased as possible for me to get my news? And I think that's a question that a lot of Americans are asking or wondering about or seeking to answer. Um, and so it was kind of in the the context of the conversation more largely from from Sandy's perspective was that he had been listening to NPR and he liked the Planet Money podcast that they did. But kind of the general news podcast, uh, he said, was too left-leaning for him, which I think is a fair criticism of it, not because of necessarily well i don't i don't listen to npr i don't get my news from npr and we'll talk about where you know you and i get our news from and that'll be part of our uh, conversation so i can't speak from experience but my inclination would be that the left-leaning bias that you might perceive in npr wouldn't necessarily come from how you know uh accurate or inaccurate the data is or even opinionated necessarily, but the opinion bias part would come in through, and this is what Sandy was commenting on, um, would come through the topics that they choose to cover. And Sandy's like, I don't care about transgender rights, and it's not that big of a thing, certainly, to his worldview. And for most Americans, I think transgender rights is not, or like the experience of transgender people for most Americans does not touch their lives every day, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what exactly you're going to the news to get. Are you trying to be remain updated as an informed citizen, or are you trying to kind of branch out from your comfort zone and see the world in a different way? I don't actually think bias in news is necessarily a bad thing. I think when marketed hmm. a specific way, bias in news is more about political rhetoric in in politics. If you have uh, if you're a biased news source but you're openly biased and your bias is not in terms of what you cover but in terms of what you say, that's just open debate. And I think that debate is extremely healthy for politics and for society. So I think that the bigger problem is more about like Sandy rightfully said, what they're covering if you're getting a single your news from a single source, it can be a problem. Um, if yeah. you are getting news that is straight up wrong, I think that's a totally different issue than bias and one that is pretty indefensible, especially from news sources that market themselves as news. Um, and I think this is a big problem nowadays when most news sources, especially like 24-hour cable news networks, actually spend very little time on actual news and a lot of it is opinion, uh, which yep. has kind of become conflated as news, which are really shouldn't be marketed as news because opinions and news are completely different things. Wait, so just to clarify your points, because I guess 
on the surface, that could be seen like you're contradicting yourself in that same point. Are you saying that uh, bias isn't necessarily a bad thing when it's up when you're clear about your biases and how they influence your worldview and your platform coming from an organization and you don't pitch yourself as a news organization or like what do you can you I think you can you can those two things, pitch bro? yourself as a biased commentator that's just debate if you're someone right. with individual views that's you're already going to have some sort of skew from just baseline news something like the associated press which just reports actually what's happening with no angle i think yeah. that we've gotten so far away from that that it's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. I think having informed citizens that take the news and say why it's important or what this means in a specific way is not necessarily a bad thing, but there are inc- lots of ways that this can become very detrimental to society. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about your uh, media diet? Where do you get your news from? Yeah, so mine's probably more skewed towards international sources than yours because most of the news I follow up on day-to-day is not super American-centric. My favorite news site is The Guardian because they have really smart pieces that they put out, long kind of long-form journalism that I really enjoy. Um, But it's, I mean, it's definitely left, like I was saying before, it's it's left-leaning bias. Um, And a lot of their opinion pieces are not good. But some of their straight-up news sources are extremely entertaining and, and interesting. Um, and I think knowing that it comes from that place, you can kind of take everything you read and s- kind of examine it for that bias. Um, but it doesn't claim to be anything but that. Um, some of the other ones, like BBC, which is probably the best example of unbiased news. I don't know what your opinion is on that. Um, that the fact that it's government-funded and can actually have its funding revoked if it does portray any bias, has a big say in that. Um, and we can get into a conversation about whether or not that should be the case with American news sources. Um, so I read BBC, uh, The Guardian. I'll do read some CNN, not as much. Um, a lot more kind of long-form journalism pieces. I listen to probably more podcasts than I do actual online news sites um but npr is a good site that i enjoy that's pretty unbiased um reuters news also pretty solid uh how about you um yeah i think uh similar i like uh the guardian for more long-form journalism and it's partly because i think they're a good news uh organization they're non-opinion stuff but it's also because they don't have a paywall. So I know that when I click on the Guardian stuff, I can read the full articles. Whereas um, Washington Post and New York Times uh, have like a – in New Yorker, they have like a pretty strict paywall where it's one or three art, – like one article per week or three articles per month. And so I typically just avoid those, not necessarily because I don't think they aren't good news organizations, but because I run into their paywall so quickly and I'm poor, so I don't subscribe to – you know, like doing the monthly subscription. Um, so BBC uh, is another one in terms of like print journalism. I would say when I read stuff, it's mainly Guardian and BBC. Um, I listen to a political podcast each week 
uh, called The Political Junkie with Ken Rudin, who he was a former NPR um, journalist and covered politics for the last, you know, 35 years. And um, I think that I just think he's a good journalist. And I think that he's uh, I don't know. I just think he's fair. Like he has he's had the president of uh, the NRA on, you know, I've heard him interview and he's just uh, I don't know. I feel like a, a balanced fellow. So um, I like listening to that. And then um, I watch I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, just like clips and stuff. Um, so that is kind of a random assortment, really. Not random, but it's an assortment. Um, I like Vice News a lot. Uh, Vice, I just really like the aesthetics and their kind of like way that they approach uh, stories. And they have really interesting stories from all over the world. Um, but they're kind of American politics specifically, um, I enjoy watching and kind of their, uh, coverage of the 2020 race. And then, um, other than vice, yeah, it's the assortment being like ABC, CBS, um, both of which mind you are pretty like insufferably boring. And so you, you can kind of trust, I don't know, that lends a certain amount of trustworthiness for me if they're like pretty boring hosts and pretty boring, you know, like coverage, because you know, you're kind of getting the information, <laughs> you know, it's a strange metric, but I would, I don't know, and you can never measure uh, boringness, but you see these kind of data about PBS being trusted, and it's like, well, yeah, PBS is insufferably boring. So naturally, it's going to be more <laughs> trustworthy and, and accurate. Um, so and then I'll watch like uh, Washington Post and some, you know, New York Times, uh, little like clips that they do on on youtube just covering stuff yeah nice do you know what the i try to avoid i've more more and more recently i've tried to avoid um cnn and certainly like neither of us have mentioned msnbc because that organization is nonsense um to me at least like i watched an interview with pete Buttigieg on morning joe and i'd never seen morning joe before i didn't have any context i don't know those who those people are and I just found, like, Buttigieg was great, but the interviewers and that show is just, like, truly unwatchable. <laughs> I feel I, I also have never watched any of those morning news shows. This seems like a terrible idea. But MSNBC, I, like, I, I wish that they would go out of business tomorrow <laughs> because it would just make for a more healthy news climate in America. Because there, the token example was like, well, you know, on the right, we have Fox News, but you guys have NBC and MSNBC. And it's like, I mean, yes, it's true. MSNBC exists and that it's a, you know, partisan news organization that is not uh, necessarily very quality journalism, but in, in no way has the reach or the impact that Fox News does. And most like serious you know, political thinkers that I know and talk to have never mentioned following MSNBC closely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the, it really, it's, it's kind of unfairly used as a pendulum balancer with Fox News because I don't think it is as biased, but certainly a partisan bend that is far beyond anything that could credibly say that it's centrist. Yeah. Do you know what the most visited news website was last month? Good question. The most visited news website? 
I feel like by the phrasing of that question, it would make me think the Associated Press, but is that a naive guess? Let's see. It's On this list, I do not see the Associated Press. Okay. We know what I'll give it? you some hints. So Fox News is number six. Okay. Uh, we got BBC News, number 13. Oh, Yahoo News. Yahoo Duh. News, number one, number one <laughs> by 25 million over the next closest news source. Wait, no, really? Yeah. Yahoo News. Oh, that was a bit. That was a no joke. Need, no, need for <laughs> it to be, no need for it to be a bit. 175 million viewers last month. What? Yeah. That's nuts. Because the stuff I've seen off Yahoo News randomly is always the most just like bizarre. I mean, it's probably true, but just the most bizarre, weird Give stories. the people what they want. I mean, yeah, there you go. I guess so. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Exactly. Exactly. Or Yahoo. Um, right. Yeah, interesting. Yahoo also has the, um, the best uh, sports app. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, really? uh, Yahoo has kind of declined as a uh, source for like internet searching and as what it was meant to be, but they do they do some quality stuff. Other than that, um, yeah, good for yeah, them. Yahoo holding strong. Um. So, do you want to talk about this Business Insider article? Yeah, let's do it. So this um we'll we'll link it in the description, but a we both read this Business Insider article that was just trying to like measure where Americans at with how they view bias in the media and which news organizations that they trust. I thought it was kind of an interesting way into this conversation. So basically, they don't give um, the the Business Insider articles quoting. Uh, it's getting its data from the Knight Foundation. Who and they and the Knight Foundation source doesn't give a ton of information about its methodology, but this is what they say: is that a February fifth to March eleventh, two thousand eight Gallup slash Knight Foundation survey of one thousand four hundred forty Gallup panel members assessed how pervasive U.S. adults believe bias is, uh, bias in news reporting is, and whether they make distinctions between bias and inaccuracy. Um, so that's kind of the methodology that they pulled from. Um, and there's just some interesting uh, insights kind of stemming from that. So uh, here are a couple quotes from the piece is that um, respondents with different political views also have different perceptions of the pervasiveness of bias in the news. For example, Democrats believe just 44% of TV, newspaper, and radio news is biased. Republicans believe 77% of it is biased. But both groups believe there is widespread bias between 74% and 83% in news shared on social media. Um, which the news shared on social media is an interesting... Do you think they're talking about like op-ed pieces, that op-ed articles that um, social media users link to in posts? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or if they're just talking about how factual posts are on social just, media oh just people who quote stats on yeah i feel like stuff. we would have to see the underlying methodology of this quiz which we or this uh survey which we don't have but yeah uh either way that's a good sign i mean it's probably even more biased than that in reality but it's a good sign that at least yeah. <laughs> these respondents view social media news as less legitimate than some actual news sources yeah. Um, and then I'll just quote a few more kind of of the findings from 
the survey and then we can talk about it. Is that yeah, right? do it, man. Cool. So um, overall, with kind of the the whole 1,440 respondents, this is what they found. So percentage rating each as unbiased minus percentage rating each as biased, right? So I guess to explain that a little bit more, you would take somebody, you know, you would take all of the news organizations that they listed and the amount that they listed as unbiased and subtract the amount of people that said that same news organization was biased, right? So if you thought that Fox News was 75% unbiased and another person thought it was 25% biased, then it would have a net of 50%. Does that make sense? Is that how they did it? Or did they just ask if a specific news source was biased and then subtract the number that said it was biased minus the people that said it wasn't biased? Yeah. So not like individually, okay. but yeah, scale yeah, yeah. that. I was just okay, giving yeah. an individual example. Um, so anyways... The So all together, and then I'll talk about how that's controlled for liberals versus conservatives in terms of political leanings. But so all together, PBS was the most trusted, so had the best rating of unbiased versus biased, mm-hmm. right? So PBS was number one, Associated Press number two, NPR number three, Wall Street Journal number four, and USA Today number five. Um, the bottom three were... Uh, MSNBC was third from the bottom, then Breitbart News, then Fox News. Um, so that was kind of all together. So controlled for political leanings. So for, for liberals, um, Associated Press was kind of the most trusted as number one. PBS News, number two. ABC News, number three. And then for conservatives, um, Fox News was number one, the most trusted. Wall Street Journal, number two. Uh, and <laughs> this was really interesting to me. Vox was number three. I have to imagine that that's just because they must not know. They didn't know because I don't trust Vox. Yeah, I don't trust <laughs> Vox either. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, and Vox is like one of the most like partisan left leaning. Yeah, having Vox less less bias rated than like the Associated Press is a an astounding finding from the survey. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that the two most trusted, Fox News and Wall Street Journal, are both owned by the Rupert, Rupert Murdoch's corporation. The guy knows how to market. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, this is also a really interesting thing, is that the net kind of, um, that they're in the positive, yeah. right, in terms of bias, yeah. for the liberals are like way in the optimistic, these are unbiased, mm-hmm. right? So, so AP is plus 74 uh, PBS is plus 70, ABC is plus 56. Yeah. Whereas conservatives are really, I don't know, I guess I guess you could argue it's cynical or maybe it's realistic or how, however you want to, um, you know, uh, categorize that in your head. Fox News is only plus three and Wall Street Journal is only plus two. So just barely. So I think conservatives, at least from this finding, are like, well, yeah, it's all it's all biased, but Fox News is, you know, generally uh more unbiased than not biased but just by such a slight margin does that make sense yeah absolutely i do think that's interesting i wonder how much that's changed since donald trump came into power and kind of had his attack on the press more generally um I, yeah that would be interesting to, to yeah, find data i would on that wager well. that, must, that must be such a difficult thing to measure but yeah i mean the nice part about that would be that they're one of the things we do have data on is you know people have been doing public opinion surveys for a long time so it would be interesting to see during the obama administration how these same 
these same uh, polls would would turn out. Um, but yeah, I, I have a feeling that that is doing some of the work on the the Republican side. Yeah. So again, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Like, what do they mean by bias in this sample? Do you think when you define bias, what would what do you think of in terms of news? Um, I've heard uh, our good friend Ben Shapiro <laughs> talk about bias in journalism as like, well, these journalists vote, right? So if they vote, there's bias, and it's like you can take that. Okay. So at face value, it's like, yes, if a human being is doing anything in the world, there is bias to it. So like bias is the most generalized principle, you know, that I can think I mean, of. As bias is just a, bias like, is just another way of saying opinion in certain circumstances. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or by or just um, or choice yeah. even like if you wake up in the morning and you choose to eat Rice Krispies over uh Honey bunches of oats, you're biased towards Rice Krispies, but that just means you chose to eat it that day, you know? Or, but maybe over 30 days, you eat 50 50, so maybe you're unbiased. So I don't know. It's like the, um, that's a difficult thing. So to go back to the Ben Shapiro point, he's like, well, if these journalists vote, they're biased and they're going to bring that bias into their coverage. Whereas it's like, yes, he's technically correct, but at the same time, I think that there's this really cynical streak that you find in conservative, um, I don't know, thinking. And it doesn't apply to all conservative thinking, surely. But you find it in conservative thinking where it's like, so yeah, you have to take it with a huge grain of salt, anything that you read, because it's all biased, because all these people, you know, vote and they're, and, you know, they go to these liberal universities and they're kind of taught to do news a certain way. Whereas that's not how I see it. I see that there are certainly like journalists who are biased and, and let too much of their bias eke into their journalistic practices. But I'm still fairly optimistic that most of the kind of trusted news organizations are, you know, adhere to rigorous journalistic standards of having multiple sources uh, for, you know, each story and um, basically letting their, you know, code of journalistic ethics guide how they cover the facts of something more than however they feel about something. And I know a lot of people um, just think that's extremely naive. And I think that maybe it is to a certain degree, but I think it, allows you to have, I don't know, it allows for a more healthy democracy, in my opinion, if more people are um, giving the benefit of the doubt for reputable news organizations that have been around more than, you know, 100 years and have demonstrated a track record of, you know, publishing redactions and, or not redactions, but retractions and, and really trying to get it right. And, you know, I'm not <laughs> by any means an expert in journalism, but in the internship that I did with the San Diego Union Tribune, oh, I kind of saw ooh, a, name dropping. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Everyone's just turned their thing off. But um, I was there during a time where it was owned by Doug Manchester, and from the reporters that I talked to, they were like, "It's been sad to see the change uh, manifested." 
and conservatism in this Union Tribune because you saw like that um, organization where you had like a lot of the like good journalists who were doing like rigorous work slowly kind of either leave or be replaced by people that were more willing to give a conservative bent to the organization. So it's not to say, obviously, that, um, I don't know, it's, it's complicated. And it's, and this is why you really have to pay attention to, uh, the media that you are consuming and the more diversified it can be not diversified, just strictly in terms of a variety. Um, the better off you're going to be because no new no news organization is going to get it right 100 percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's understandable. I think you you have a lot of faith in uh, the integrity of individual journalists, which is great and hopefully warranted. Um, I know we we've do you not we've talked about so I think you can see similar effects of the online era in news that we've seen in politics. Um, I think traditionally the parties, the political party establishments, kind of controlled things from the top down um, and eliminated a lot of outside discourse that today has found an audience um, because of the internet and because of alternative ways to find the news. Um, I think back in the 60s and 70s when there weren't 24-hour news sources – and you really had to hear it from, you know, Kim Brokaw or whoever was the Walter yeah, Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. Um, I think that the ability to find news that suits your political leanings has had a dramatic effect, not just on the consumers of news, but also on those creating and distributing news. Um, the bar to entry that could probably was policed based on reputation in the past. Uh, Odd things, like you say, being able to retract, uh, having credible sources um, was something that I think had more sway in an era when you did have to work for the five or six news organizations that put out the news. Um, And so this is what my question to you is, do you think that it would be because of the low barrier to entry that now exists in the news... Do you think the field of journalism would gain from something like the introduction of a journalism license, like a one or two year program that you have to take to be registered as a journalist? It wouldn't exclude anyone from being able to write anything online or any of that, but it would make you have to go through ethics training, source credibility uh, training, and a lot of journalists already have these sorts of things, um, how to come about a redaction, when to trust certain sources, uh, but it would lead more credence and more legitimacy to people who are kind of practicing and detailing things from behind uh, the scenes. What do you think about that? Yeah, almost like a bar association, but for exactly, exactly. Of, uh law. Um, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Um, I think it's like an innovative... I don't know if you can call so, an idea that's been around for so long innovative, but I guess you can call it innovative because it's applied to a new discipline. Um, it's an innovative way to kind of combat the suspicion that we're finding so rampant, right? Um, 
I guess like the obvious question is like, well, who who makes makes up this this panel of people or this organization that confers this rating or this you know license, as it were? Um, that would be. I think the unfortunate thing is that I can't even envision that conversation happening in a good faith way to ever materialize into anything, you know? Well, I mean, uh, you wouldn't necessarily have to have someone confer or like a specific panel decide. It would be more like law, like you said, where you'd have to probably pass an exam that has to do with ethics and then take a certain number of courses related like to... Like do it every every five years? How often? Yeah, so maybe the that? first... The first uh, initial registration is a longer course and then there's like a a test or maybe some sort of you know 10 hour uh like online program that you have to do every three years to remain up to date on the newest happenings in the news something like that even with a low baseline i think it would help kind of bring credibility back into the industry yeah no i think that's a really good idea i think also we need to, and I should probably, um, you know, manifest this in my behavior um, and news diet, but um, by actually becoming a patron of one of these places that has a paywall. But I think we need to go back to, or maybe not back to, but, you know, we need to go to the patron-based model, I think, instead of uh, advertisement-based. Because I think an advertisement-based finance model is uh destroying the credibility of journalism and so i think that patron based has its own kind of slew of problems as well but i think that that is a more straightforward more um i guess just better predictor of uh quality than you know allowing i think that bias is actually much more influential and impactful than than the individual political leanings of the journalists the bias of well we're going to run this story cuz it's going to get clicks and going to get attention and going to get um money yeah what what do you think about that doing a going moving more towards a patron based model and not having advertisements as part of yeah, I mean... Uh, As part of at least the journalistic content. I think that that sounds more like something like the BBC, where it's government-funded, and right. both sides of the government can kind of critique it if they do think it's spreading bias in any particular way. Um, I think that that would help, especially just to have... Even if you have one particular central source that is like that, and then other sources that kind of orbit around it with right or left leaning bias... It would help to kind of stabilize the actual uh, factual data from kind of opinion pieces. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think advertisements, particularly as newspapers go down, revenue sources, you know, they need to find revenue. And you know, we've been hearing about journalism in a crisis for for years. But I think the best way to fight that is not by uh, making you know click articles or. Uh, clickbait articles or other things it's to you know improve the quality of of the service yeah um what do you think about a bbc type program in the u.s how do you think it would do do you think there's just too much well it already exists right the pbs yeah 
What if what if it was? But it, but it's it's way more it's way more weak. Yeah, exactly. What if it was of... funded substantially more? And the, the thing is, in the UK, because of the way that the taxes are done, people it's one of the primary taxes that people pay. Um, and yeah. so I think people have a lot more personal uh, personal say. They they feel connected to the BBC because they feel like they're the ones that are contributing to its funding. Um, and I don't think anyone really thinks that about PBS. Maybe some people do, but it doesn't have the same sort of uh, ownership by the population. So maybe yeah. that's the would be to kind of supercharge PBS and have it become kind of like the central news source. Uh, could be one way of helping to fight back on, on pervasive bias. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because um, it would. I think that something that people on the left and well people on the right especially you know for good reason and some people on the left are um i think um disappointed with in america right now is the lack of a kind of monocultural meta narrative for american identity hmm. right something that we can all gather around and agree upon and point to and say this is American. Yeah. Full stop, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, having lived uh, in Wales for 18 months, you can really see the impact of that centralized service of the BBC that everybody immediately has context for because that's what you turn on the news and you turn on the BBC. Like, the news and BBC are kind of synonymous mm -hmm. um, in the context of the UK. And BBC is such a huge, I mean, they're actually the largest um, content producer in the world in terms of drama. So, sorry, drama content producer in the world through their BBC radio yeah. dramas, um, which most people think Hollywood, you know, when you think of, yeah, drama producing or like scripted drama. Uh -huh. And it's like, no, it's the BBC because they produce so much, so many radio dramas and um, people love them. And they're great because they're low budget and it gives you know, uh, writers like a way into the business and then they can go. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. And it gives British culture kind of an identifiable export to the world, right? Like most Americans have some context for Sherlock or maybe some of the newer shows, Bodyguard, or some, maybe some of the older shows, um, that kind of originate from the BBC. And that's kind of some, you know, signifier for British culture. And that's all kind of a positive thing. And so the, the idea of doing that in America, um, yeah, I think is a really good idea. I mean, it would probably have an, an altogether different organization than identity in PBS, because I don't think that you could, I don't know, like resurrect PBS from what it is currently. Um, but yeah, it's certainly, I don't know, it's an interesting proposition. It's just hard to figure out what that would look like right now. Yeah. I mean, I agree. There's no easy solutions. And uh, not a lot of people that are willing to uh, to give up the partisanship that helps contribute to their voter bases on both sides, um, which is another problem. Uh, there have been a number of articles that have shown that Fox News and MSNBC have a substantive impact on how voters feel about particular candidates and particular policies. Um, so once you bring in the aspect that people are are using these things as kind of job security, it becomes even harder to propose compromises yeah yeah um 
Yeah, no, it's tough. I think uh, another article that we uh, looked at was an article by Tamar Wilner um, that we'll link in the uh, description. And I just want to share kind of a couple quotes from that that relates to this kind of questions of, I don't know, just trying to measure bias, really. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this article. I think of, they did a good overview. Yeah, I think they did a good job. They, uh, they kind of posed this question of like, what if there was kind of an add-on to different news organizations um, where it was basically like a meter of how like biased or unbiased content was? Um, and I thought that there were some interesting kind of pieces from this. So this is a uh, quote from a UCLA communication professor, Tim Grilling in the piece. So I'm just going to share this quote. If the dashboard results were public, um, Grilling says he doesn't see much incentive for news organizations to participate, even if they could approve methodology beforehand. The chance of being found as biased would pose too great a risk. Of course, if tech players like Facebook or Google used biased-related data to weight results, those incentives would shift rapidly. So it's the idea of, like, why would I, as a news organization... Um, even if I had influence over the methodology collectively, uh, allow this add-on of this measure of bias or unbiased applied to my site when there's such a huge, uh, like risk that it's going to come across as biased. Whereas like right now they don't have to worry about it at all. Um, which is, yeah, kind of valid, piece. but then the counterpoint there within that quote, I thought was really interesting too, is like, what if these big, um, you know, tech services that, you know, Google News is just an amalgamation of different news organizations and they put, you know, news in front of you and it's not necessarily always the same kind of organizations that they pull from. Like, what if they, to incentivize this use of this add-on or this methodology, you know, only would put those news organizations um, in kind of the feed? I thought, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean... Like they say in the article, I think the problem is that the bias of the news is associated with money and financial gain. I mean, there's a reason you said, like you said earlier, that certain news sources that are less biased are more boring. Boring doesn't sell. Yeah. The truth doesn't sell. Slants on the truth and controversial opinions are what sell. Um, so they're trying to get news sources to sign on to something that is going to knowingly make them less profitable as for-profit yep. organizations is something highly unlikely. And even if yep. you were able to, there's still always the question of bias within the fact-checking organizations, which has been something that's plagued all fact-checking organizations as far as I know uh, since they've been in existence. So I wanted to share this other article, or, or this other quote um, from the same UCLA professor in this piece that we'll link. Uh, so one legitimate concern that people who criticize the bias in the news right now have is the fact that increasingly journalists are not living in the communities they cover and are from a somewhat separate strata of society. I thought that was really interesting too, and that's probably a shift that we've seen in the last, I don't know, 30 years it seems, right? So you have... Um, you know, journalists that are because obviously the internet allows you so much more flexibility in terms of where you live, you can also, that can also mean that you cover places and the sources that you get are just through Skype or just online and you don't really have to show up in the place. You can follow social media, 
you can get sources, you can get video from other people. I don't know. So that was like an interesting thought in terms of, you know, there's just these elites writing about and the bias isn't coming from them knowingly, but they're just so like, it's just so beyond their realm of experience that it would never occur. Like certain things about living in that community would never even occur to them as problems or as issues or whatever, you know? Um, so I, I, as far as how to combat that, you know, I I don't even know where to begin with something like that, (laughs) but yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, well, I think that, I don't know, even trying to figure out what the best interests of the public is something that's up for the debate. I mean, I guess this is the point of being in a democracy is that everything, everything, everything has to be negotiated. Um, and especially when it comes to news, that can be, I don't know, a very kind of tenuous, tenuous thing. Um, so how about to, to bring it back around to the original question that Sandy asked me in terms of like looking for a moderate, as unbiased as possible source, what would you, how would you answer him? What would you suggest? I would say that there's no such thing as an unbiased source, but there are certainly, I think the best way to kind of combat bias is to have multiple news sorts, sites, uh, sites that you use to analyze the same issue. If there's something you're particularly interested in, check out how it's being portrayed on the BBC, check out how it's being portrayed on The Guardian, see how it's being yep. portrayed on, you know, CNN if you want, see how, if you, it's always interesting to see how it's being portrayed on MSNBC or Fox News, if you're very interested to see how it's being spun on both sides, and that can kind of give you a sense of the truth that's somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, if you don't have time for that, or you're less interested, I would say things like PBS News, the Associated Press, things that are genuinely just news sources, rather than opinion sites, uh, are going to be your best bet. How about you? Yeah. Well, just kind of one kind of follow up to that in terms of what you're saying about diversifying the um your media diet is it's a very dangerous place to be that I think a lot of conservatives in this country are in where it's like I get my news from Fox News because they're the only place I can trust. And I don't know, to me do, I, does this not sound conspiratorial that Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, um, um, PBS, Reuters, Associated Press, um, Vice, BBC, Guardian, all of those are so partisan that I can't trust any of them and I can only trust one news organization that also has it that also has opinion hosts such as Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and people who are all of the same general uh, milieu in terms of their conservative views. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I think this highlights the bigger problem of all these different types of 
fact-checking, bias-checking. I mean, this isn't really Sandy's point, but I think most of the reason that they don't catch on or that there's been no push is because most people don't care. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, Maybe most people don't care. But how... And then how do you make people care about something that most people don't care about? It's like, that's even a more kind of like axiomatic conversation than we're having right now. Because we're, because we started this whole episode based on the premise that people care whether news is biased. Yeah, so our conversation has been more helpful for people that do care but are struggling to find a source. That's not the majority, I would say. Most people do not care and are happy to have biased news sources or just are uninterested in the news to begin with. Right. And I mean, those types of people, I don't, are probably never going to listen to our podcast anyway. So it's like, who cares? But uh, yeah, we, sh- we should say that the number one news source for unbiased news is, of course, Rationalish. Oh, yeah. It's right here. It's, it's, Duh. <laughs> we, that goes without saying. Uh, yeah, it goes without saying. But um, I don't know. I, I think. At my core, I'm an optimistic person, even though a lot of my worldview is tinted with sarcasm and, you know, all that. So I always have trouble with people who tell me, like, you know, our friend Matt would say, like, there's 40% of this country that you will never convince of anything. And you can talk to them rationally. You can put... um you know, you can come at them with a moral argument. You come at them with an ethical argument. You come at with an empirical argument. You can show them all the data. You could show them the history, the trajectory, all of the stuff, and you're not going to sway them, and they're not going to hear it. So it's like, don't even bother. And I have a hard time with that. But that's, I mean, it's a different conversation. It's a different topic, slightly. But it touches on this idea of, like, those who don't care about whether there is bias in their news diet. And obviously there's some on the left. Yes, et cetera, et cetera. But clearly, at least from this survey that we found, it's more of uh, something that people on the right do not care about. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's tough to take this survey and generalize, but it's certainly an issue at large. And I think this is where kind of uh, larger social change needs to happen around kind of revitalizing the concept of democracy and debate and just uh, general what it means to be a citizen of the United States, like we discussed earlier. Does political participation come with citizenship? Do we need to have open debates or can you, is it your right to kind of lock yourself away and knowingly consume news sources and news sites that are going to support your worldview even if it is incorrect or maybe just uh, biased but detrimental to your ability to commiserate with the larger population um so i would say the u.s coverage so say you're kind of just yeah an american looking for generally american news i would say the bbc's u.s coverage is a good place to go because it's entirely outside i mean not entirely they you know employ I'm assuming, uh, employ some, you know, journalists that are based in America. And so, uh, but generally it's an outside perspective that's still Western. Um, so it has context, but it's not too embedded in the, the, the kind of day-to-day grind of 
American, um, I don't know, politics as were. So I think the U.S. coverage of the BBC, um, and I think just BBC is just reputable. Like, say what you want about them. They're a reputable place. Um, and again, like, PBS News, because it's insufferably boring, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you just want the facts, check out PBS. I mean, if you just want the facts and you don't want to be entertained, uh, yeah, <laughs> go to, go to Associated Press, go to Reuters. And those are hard too, because it's like, those are just endless oceans of stories. And those are, you know, uh, Associated Press, it just, that is what it does. It pumps out stories to be picked up by other places where they can't have reporters. So, um, so it just makes it really hard to curate stuff from Associated Press. But if, again, it's like, if you want just the facts, go find just the facts and Reuters, Associated Press. Um, so I'd say those are some ideas. And then, um, and then I would say kind of a really different case to be made for a moderate source or, you know, something, it doesn't really have to do with bias, but Wall Street Journal, right? So owned by the Rupert Murdoch company, but still has, you know, it has the widest distribution in America. Um, it has a storied past, you know, so, and it's kind of trusted by both sides. So I think that, I don't know, maybe that could be a good place too. I don't, I don't read Wall Street Journal, but it seems like that might be a fair, a fairly centrist place to go. Um, so yeah, so let's wrap this thing up. Thanks for, uh, hope that, I don't know, you found something useful about that conversation. Reach out to, yeah, reach out to us on Twitter. Tell us your favorite news sites besides The Rationalist, obviously. Um.